2: Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here today with us. uh, Writer, director, producer Anne Shin from the Fathom Film Group is here with us today to talk about her new film, The Super Food Chain. Anne, thanks for, uh, for joining us
1: today. Thanks for having me on the show. So return guest... Yay! Yes, I'm, it's. I always love talking with you, so it's wonderful to have this opportunity. It comes like once every year or two. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Right. Yes, this is. A, I think maybe, this might even be our third
2: chat. It's. And oh, uh, mm-hmm. same. I, I. I enjoy it as well. Thanks. Thanks for that. Mm. So, so tell us a little bit about this film. I mean, it's it's going to be. Uh, it's going to exist uh, on TVO's uh, website. Uh, We'll kind of hopefully access in perpetuity, but it's going to be playing at an environmental film festival. Maybe we can ask you a question about why is it at that kind of a festival, you know, Planet Mm -hmm. in Focus and so on. Superfood chain uh, sounds self-explanatory, but but can you provide us a bit of context? Sure.
1: So the superfood chain takes a look at the butterfly effect of you or me going to our supermarkets and buying you know, the latest superfood off the shelf. How does it affect farmers or fisherfolk around the world? Um, it's a question that uh, came up during dinner with my family hmm. and set us off on the road to like five different locations, four different locations.
2: Yeah, it's quite a quite a world tour for you.
1: Hmm. It was. It was spread out over a couple years, but uh, it was really illuminating. We went to Bolivia, Ethiopia. Philippines and Haida Gwaii on the
2: west coast of Canada. You say right at the outset and and by the way congratulations and some gor- gorgeous images and so many great questions raised and and I think you know you and I have talked about this f- before but I but I think we have anyway but to me the sign always the sign of a great film is that you you go in thinking it's about this and you come away going hang on a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There was yeah. a little bit of misdirection going on there. There's a whole lot more going on here than meets the eye, and I mean, you've touched on so many international development issues and global issues. Frankly,
1: thanks. Yeah, it it was a bit of like you know um, pulling the string and <laughs> pulling a thread and finding the whole a whole lot unraveling in a good way. Um, yeah, we I was first kind of as a consumer who will kind of. You could say, fall victim to the latest superfood trend. I will buy right. what looks interesting and nutritious right. in is are you eating also. are
2: you eating cricket
1: powder yet? <laughs> My daughter is she 's gutsier than me, but um I wanted to kind of see like who 's behind the marketing and who's benefiting from it mm. and that actually led me to people who are sometimes benefiting and sometimes not it led me to get to the farmers and the fisher who and to get more connected to the sources of this food. Um, and that really opened up questions about sustainability and the interrelationship between like, consumers and the growers of the food that happen to be halfway around the world. So, yeah, it brings up issues of development, sustainability, and land rights for farmers in developing countries. Do,
2: do you think you went in kind of with, and it's really interesting, and I definitely want to talk a little bit about the fair trade um, sort of discoveries that you made along the way, but was it more of an economic Kind of angle you were taking, or more of an ethical approach to say, gee, I wonder, you know, who is in this supply chain?
1: Yeah, I thought at first it would be just to see who's benefiting from it. Uh, you know, is it the middle person? Is it right? The or you know, but it did it did lead to some really um, complex ethical questions. Mm. Like, is it better to buy a superfood from a far off location, or is it better to buy? locally grown food. Right. Who's, you know, I can, I can tell you the answer, but we could, we <laughs> 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 or you could all go and discover it for yourself. That's right. Go on, <laughs> what? A trip and watch. Right. <laughs> well, this
2: is what I find, find, find so interesting about it. And, and I, let's go back to that opening. So I think it was the opening, opening line, you, you're establishing shot. We're in Toronto, just gorgeous, gorgeous photography of the city and so on. And throughout the film, but you say, you, you know, you were always sort of under the impression that, you know, love made the world go around. But, but you're actually kind of coming on board with this idea that you think maybe it's really food.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's interesting how it's really, <laughs> we all need to eat. And um, what I discovered on this journey was that most communities will have, most established communities will have their traditions and the food uh, that they eat is grown in their areas, and there's a kind of a tradition and a body of knowledge around how you prepare it. Mm-hmm. All the different ways you can prepare, for instance, quinoa. It could be molded into fists. That becomes like a little lunch thing. It could be, you know, made into pudding. It could be made into put into soup. There's all these different ways that they prepare it. That's, you know, been cultivated over generations in their culture. Um, but then, when people in North America, like myself, pick it up, it's kind of like, oh, so this is a superfood. <laughs> They've either ground it into a powder, you put it into a smoothie, right. or you boil it like rice, and you, <laughs> you know, we we just don't really—it's fully out of context. It's,
2: well, yeah, <laughs> we're really we're really disconnected from mm-hmm. that sense, and it—I mean, it's it's an easy criticism, I suppose, to level at the West and with mm-hmm. all our. I guess all our busyness and being mm-hmm. over programmed and so on but but there's a sense uh, and that i think I, I think that's the sense you were getting to is that that sense of community of relationship this is this is mm-hmm. about, this is about families this is about um this really makes contact with reality in meaningful ways
1: mm-hmm. it really does i mean, it was great to sit down with the family in Bolivia and have lunch in the courtyard, which is made of which is the earthen floor courtyard in their home. And and just to eat on a on a blanket that was laid right. out, right. and and it was their homemade cheese and potatoes and tomatoes from the garden. That was the lunch, and it was actually really delicious. All the different pieces were delicious. And then when you consider the other end of the spectrum, it was interesting to see how I mean, global food trade has is wonderful and. For us and for other people in so many ways, but it also causes issues around sustainability or disruption of um, food sovereignty. For instance, with Bolivia, when we, when you know, when Western cultures wanted to adopted quinoa as a superfood, the demand went through the roof, mm-hmm. and so all the Bolivian quinoa was being exported at a really at a top dollar, and Farmers were benefiting from it, but local Bolivians couldn't afford to buy quinoa anymore. So they were eating pasta and white carbohydrates, Right. you know, so it was ironic that, you know, we were starting to buy quinoa and they were starting to eat pasta. I mean, I don't think it was that straightforward of an, of an equation, but the correlation is definitely there. The prices have since dropped right. for quinoa because, you know, it's, being produced in canada america spain china so um so lots of people can afford quinoa, now and lots of people can eat it and i suppose that is now a food crop that's matured but that original price spike and um the drop really caused a Havoc in the Bolivian, amongst Bolivian well, it, farmers and Bolivian communities.
2: And then it's something. I mean, it's what we don't normally think about. We are so disconnected. It's it's mm-hmm. it's in a bag on the shelf, and it's quinoa. I mean, why mm-hmm. would I think about somebody else or mm-hmm. somebody else's uh, uh, livelihood or whether mm-hmm. or not they're getting paid a living wage? Or mm-hmm. how this is actually affecting them, right? I mean, we're so, and mm-hmm. I don't know if there's an answer for that. I don't, and I know that's not kind of what you were trying to do in the film, but I think it's really cool and fascinating about storytelling. How you, you know, you, you just mentioned you, you, you raise some really interesting ethical questions, troubling yeah. ethical questions.
1: Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to say. You know, what, like, on the one hand, if you buy fair trade chances are what you're what you're buying is you're actually helping the farmer abroad. So that's that's a good thing. It is it is good to do your homework a bit to know that the Fair Trade Organization is, is doing something. Right. But I, I think it's also good to buy locally. Um, it's it's because you're gonna be more connected with the food. It's gonna be fresher and it won't you know, they won't be irradiated or any of those other things that happen to food when they're shelved or put on containers to be shipped you know it doesn't it's it's just all around better for you you're supporting the community of farmers around you so that's another kind of consideration
2: well and you by and, locally. and you make a real decision a real conscious decision as the writer director on this one to step into the story and you you say i wanted my my kids to 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 feel more connected and so you you planted a garden and, yes. and, and and you really rolled your sleeves up.
1: Yeah, it was really good to do because I was living in a in a in a place where a lot of the yard. It was a house in downtown Toronto with a yard and a, a lot of asphalt between myself and the other house. Right. And yep. a lot of the yard had trees or was sloped, so the only place we could really plant was next to the asphalt. So it was this is real ghetto gardening. and we planted some tomatoes and zucchini, and and you could see how hard it was to get this thing to grow, these mm. things to grow, one, because of the light wasn't hitting it properly, and and just um, really began to appreciate it. I mean, for one, it was kind of a joy for my daughters every time. To, they would come home from school, they'd check to see what's budded or what's growing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's But it also... Yeah, it, it it was it's a great sense of kind of incorporating, you know, the earth and the rhythm of the earth into your daily life. But it, it really was a bit of a, a little bit of an experiment rather than, you know, anything close to trying to build a sustainable right. garden right. for, for <laughs> diet.
2: That actually sounds the title of a book you should write, uh, Sustainable yes. Ghetto Gardens. I think that could be a <laughs> bestseller.
1: I think yeah i'm gonna I'm gonna give you royalties I think you can't <laughs> give
2: it. I'll, I'll I'll take them, yeah, okay, and I will sample any of the food out of the garden how's that
1: okay i'll I'll make sure there's no cars parked near the garden,
2: yes, good call mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy that you 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 i mean many people that you talk to and families that you visit, and I love the way you make it so intimate and personal. You across the globe, and you you connect us all through food and and you know you 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 again you opened up the film with saying I want to feed my fa- my kids healthy food and and isn't that kind of what most of us want to do?
1: Mm-hmm. I
2: mean it's a, it's a, it's a great leveler.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, every family we went to so Susan and her son and her cousin her nephews in Philippines, Jesquan and Jalen in Haida Guay with their kids, and Pablo and Nilda in Bolivia, and. uh Teje in Ethiopia with his children, and you get, like, they all feed the kids different things, but it's all healthy, and it's all very tied to their land and their climate and the crops that have grown in their area for a long time. And so you begin to see how, you know, as a human being, you don't actually need those particular superfoods from each of these different countries to be healthy, (laughs) like, In Ethiopia, who who lives mainly on teff, which is high in protein and iron, and is a is a so-called superfood. He lives mainly on that and vegetables and some meat and dairy, and they're doing wonderfully. And that's very different from, you know, the seafood and the berries that Jesguan and, and Jalin would forage for. And they also go to their supermarket and buy bread and everything else. But they will forage from their 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 environment and also f- fish for salmon and mm-hmm. so their diet's very different but the kids are all healthy and they all they all look very healthy and they're thriving so that was an interesting
2: comparison. We need to, we need to talk about Teg's son, by the way. I think he's hysterical, and I'm so glad you included uh, some of, you know some of his comments and insights because he he touches on a lot of things that that I think we we definitely need to talk about in this you know age of globalization. You know, I know. Small. He want to be a
1: t- soccer star and make lots of money <laughs> at
2: it, right? Yes which I thought was yes. great. So uh, yeah. g- g- good ambitions, I think. Yeah, that's all good. Yeah. But yeah. I love the stuff that he says about women and men mm-hmm. and his comments on gender. I mean and he and he does it with a smile. Grade eight. How old would you be? Mm-hmm. 14, 13?
1: 13. Yes, around 12 and 13. 12ish, but he looked younger. He's a bit he's slighter as a as a boy, but right. he was yeah. He was he does a lot around the farm. Yeah, I loved how he was saying how Mom does everything. That's right. She cooks, and then she goes out and helps on the farm and takes makes the lunch and takes the lunch out to my dad. And all all the men have to do is do a bit of work and then come home and complain all day. But the women have to wake up and milk the cows and do the laundry and feed the kids, you know, and work on the farm.
2: Yeah, I love that. That line about all yeah, my dad—basically, yeah. the paraphrase is all my dad has to do is come home and after a day of work and sit around and complain. Yeah, and complain. It's just <laughs> the funniest thing. But I think there's a pretty deep insight into that. And, and I mean, I just couldn't help but smile. And you can't hide this stuff from kids, right? I mean, this is—they they notice these things, right? And, mm-hmm. and they're they're picking up on stuff. But I love the fact that he 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 wants to step outside of that it seems to me or maybe mm-hmm. he's already outside of all of that and kind of observing mm-hmm. it and making some pretty mm-hmm. kind of profound statements about yeah. about gender well about it was
1: me. so interesting to film that because the mother like, she, she, like like lots of women who have children will incorporate the child rearing into their day and then yes. for those women who have to work also uh, and for her her work was at her home and you know, around her home on the farmlands. And so I lost the shot when we were filming, and she's, like, cooking, and she's mashing the tap and stuff, and she's got a baby on her boob, so she's feeding a baby <laughs> while she's mashing yep. the tap. Yep. <laughs> it was like she could have been doing something else, I'm sure, um, but we just didn't have the right angle to catch
2: it. I was... I was uh, fortunate enough to have worked on a project years ago in Burkina Faso, and mm-hmm. and we were in the capital city Ouagadougou, and, and you gotta love a place with a name like Ouagadougou. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, there around the city, uh, trees had died, and, and, mm-hmm. and sculptors had come around and carved these wonderful sculptures out of these dead trees. I don't know what kind of wood it was, but I'm sure it was you know hardwood of some kind.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyway,
2: there was this this uh, strong uh, female. Uh, clearly a farmer. She's got a baby on her back in this, you know, imagine this beautiful wooden sculpture. And she's got a hoe in her um, right hand, and she's Mm -hmm. got a... um, a pail of water in her left hand, and on her head, she's got a plate of you know vegetables, food, or something along those lines. And we're right. in this car, and there's five or six of us. And I look over and I said, "Wow, couldn't we get her to do anything else? <laughs> like, like really? Her Are back. you kidding there's me?"
1: There's nothing. She's not swinging anything on her back. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a little wasted, a little wasted space there. Yeah, and and her husband's probably trailing you know two, three meters behind her, smoking a cigarette, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I just couldn't help but laugh. But mm. but it really comes out beautifully in your film, and this is and this is just this is about community and about being connected, and this is just kind of the way it is
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I guess in a lot of farm communities um it's still the roles where women do a lot of the child rearing and help out on the farm, so yeah, yeah.
2: it's not either or it's uh, it's clearly a both hand
1: Mm-hmm. it's also interesting too, though that children get involved. As well, like, uh, all all the siblings were all part of the TEF kind of harvesting. and and Right. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, I grew up on a farm, and that's kind of interesting. That's part of the bonding element of, of farms is you need a lot of hands. And when you're harvesting, you need to borrow hands. And so people come over, and they help you out, and then you feed them, or you, you do a... Um, or, or you do, um, or, you know, or, or you, you do a kind of like a harvest festival. In Ethiopia, what they do is they do a coffee festival at mm. the harvest of teff. So all the people have come to help out. And then, um, oh, they will kill a, a, a rooster. Oh, okay. They will, yeah, they will kill the rooster on the threshing floor of the teff, And then... Um, <laughs> Sprinkle the blood and stuff, and then they'll do a coffee, uh, a coffee thing. They'll roast coffee and bring it around to everybody, and have feed them coffee and also a meal. So it's it's quite, it's quite elaborate.
2: Quite elaborate, quite
1: quite mm-hmm. rooted
2: in, in tradition. I loved. Um, I don't know who it was, but somebody somebody uh, near the end of the film said the phrase was "tradition is just life." Was the line, mm-hmm. and I just thought that was a beautiful phrase and a beautiful thread yeah. throughout throughout the whole
1: throughout the whole film. Um, yes. the, yeah, the, That's, that was Jalen. It's true. He was, he was saying it's not like something you you know read in a book and you try and incorporate into your life or you hear about. It, tradition is, is it, it's what you've learned in your life from your parents and your grandparents is what you do with them and what, they, what they've taught you. So, yeah, it's just life.
2: Yeah, well, and you mentioned earlier this bodily knowledge, this passing on, right? It's almost mm-hmm. as if these young kids are being mentored.
1: In, in a very mm-hmm. different
2: way. Here we are, we, we send our kids off and we're currently doing it. We're sending our kids mm-hmm. off to school and so on. But in this kind of a community or these kinds of farms, there really is this elbow knowledge, this standing side by side. I love the shots. I don't know what they're doing with the taft, but I guess they're they're throwing it back and forth. I thought they were playing a game of some kind, the kids. But, but I'm imagining they're actually trying to separate
1: Yes, sort of the, the the grain yeah. from the the chaff. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah.
2: You know, the thing that really struck me again, and 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 I don't spend a lot of times uh, time on farms, um, but is the amount of work. It's just so mm-hmm. top heavy on on pretty much every level. And and the Bolivian family was it? They get up at four thirty a.m. to mm-hmm. cook their meals for the day to take basically to take out into the field to get the work done.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's just it's. It's uh, and, that, and that's mostly, in a lot of cases, just to provide for the family, and then if there's some left over, that we can actually take to market.
1: Yes. Well, they were, I found all the farming families were very, um, very, um, they're, I hope you can edit this, sorry. A lot of farmers were very um, very precise about what they would set aside for the market and okay. what they would have for the cat family. Oh, okay, yeah. For instance, with the Bolivians, they, you know, the amount of land that they devoted to quinoa crops changed with the changing demand. Right. So, meanwhile... Glo- globalization, like, economic yeah, issues and so yeah. On, yeah. So, he, he had normally planted like four fields of quinoa, but now he only had like half a field planted with quinoa. And he wasn't even going to take that to market because the price of quinoa has dropped so much. It's not worth his time. Right. What... The price of um, heirloom black potatoes had gone up in the local markets, so a lot of the fields were devoted to potatoes, and those were going to go to the market. So it was interesting um, to see how he had divided up his crops, and it was really about a function of what what he could get at the market.
2: Tell tell me a little bit about that. That seems like a nice launching point. You know, I think you you admit in the film that you were skeptical about fair trade. Mm-hmm. And this kind mm-hmm. of, you know, cha- can I can I say it changed your mind with respect to that? I mean, can yeah. we ask you know, is, is it is it about is it about a fair trade on all levels, or is it more about a living wage, or what what what's your sense?
1: Yeah, it, what happened was that um, I, as I was doing this film and researching it, my ideas around superfoods or my understanding of superfoods became a bit more nuanced, and I thought hmm. you know. Superfoods are healthy for you, but hell, heck, so is a lot of other things. Right, that right. Are local and ready at your fingertips, and don't require, you know, huge footprint in terms of, of air, like air travel or any kind of that kind of, you know, that kind of um, those kinds of resources that are required to take ship food from one country to another. So my my sense of superfoods is that they are really not all that. There's a lot of marketing. They are healthy for you, but there's a lot of great nutritious foods you can find around you that are also good. So then I, I thought similarly that fair trade is probably a hyped-up term. But in fact, the fair trade organizations I had the good fortune of like getting to know more are doing a lot for the communities. So in the Philippines, the fair trade community, is, the fair trade organization there was helping farmers not only by getting them machines so they could process their coconuts and sell them so they could be turned into virgin coconut oil. So they're getting machinery and equipment that Mm -hmm. farmers couldn't otherwise afford, but they were also lobbying and fighting to help the farmers retain their land because the farmers were being forced off the land by business interests. So the Fair Trade Organization did way more than just get a fair dollar for their farmers. They were helping them in so many ways, and I find I think that any legitimate fair trade organization is doing that for their farmers. Um, mind you, there are you know there is the issue of of some fair trade organizations being a bit of a sham. Right. So it's it's a little bit of a of a consumer beware kind of situation where you it, it does it does help to research it a bit.
2: Yeah, oh and for sure the Canadians who are listening, Fair Trade Canada for sure is a is a place mm-hmm. to, to place to go and to find out more information mm-hmm. about the labeling and what goes mm-hmm. what goes into it and why and you even you even mentioned that, why things cost a little bit more or maybe in mm-hmm. some cases a lot more. You know, mm-hmm. and as you point out, I think you said that you'd be happy to pay a little bit of extra if you knew uh in, in, in certain cases this was actually, you know, getting to the right people and so on and supporting the right initiatives.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's you know it could be kind of almost almost like if you buy a record and you're supporting your, uh, this band that you like
2: you know it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit it's of a
1: stretch I suppose but
2: a little bit but it's still good yeah yeah if no. you
1: know that like if you're buying Bolivian quinoa you are helping the Bolivian farmers if it's fair trade
2: yeah that's good and you're supporting your local indie band
1: <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah, rather than going for the I don't know the AI bot produced music that's right, that's right, that's
2: right. On the yeah, or something like to, that. To, um, I, I was fa- fascinated by the fact that superfoods 130 billion a year. I think. You, mm-hmm. you, tell me a bit about that trendiness and when and what you did. I mean, did you make any big discoveries around that sort of the sham-like nature of it, or the I mean, the kiwi story is hilarious around kiwi fruit. Mm. I had no idea about that. I'm sure there's lots of stories like that.
1: Yeah, the TV stories about how it was originally called the Chinese gooseberry, <laughs> <And>
2: <laughs> which just know, doesn't, doesn't really, any, with, re, with 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 due papers, respect to <laughs> the yeah yeah with due respect to the gooseberry, it just doesn't sound all that enticing.
1: Yeah, until New Zealand growers started to grow it, and then they decided to just call it kiwis, and that just took off for some reason. And then suddenly, the kiwi fruit became popular globally. Um, I think that superfoods. As I mentioned before, like they are nutritious for you, but they're not. They, you know, you could say it's a kale is, is, is it a superfood, and until it was identified as a superfood, people didn't really eat it, even though right. there was right. a lot in North America, right? So, it it is it is a bit of a marketing ploy to get some food flying off the shelves, um, and I think there's an interesting reason why. People like myself will fall for that because we live busy lives, we live in rooted urban centers. We think if there's one thing we can do for ourselves or our families, it's to, you know, put something extra healthy on the table as, right. as if to offset all the other negatives about our lives. And and so we'll be like, okay, we'll buy a superfood and maybe that'll help balance things out, you know, right. balance out our diet or balance out our stressed lifestyle. And I think that's kind of partly, you know, what's in the back of our minds, is we think, okay, let's buy something extra healthful. So that, I think that's part of the appeal of something like superfood. Just
2: justify that $8 smoothie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and i bought, I bought some. So my kids like them, too. Oh, they're fantastic,
2: right? <laughs> But there's a part. Every time I drive by a booster juice, I mean, I don't know what you're boosting. I think it's clearly your bank account. But I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they're tasty, right? And I'm sure they're very healthy. But uh, I think I I love what you've brought out in this. I mean, there's so many things you've brought out in the film. But I love how you I I, I are hoping that we're gonna. I don't know, get a little more connected locally, be concerned mm-hmm. about others, obviously. Mm-hmm. Think about, mm-hmm. you know, get out get out from behind our, our fences and our backyards and so on. Think mm-hmm. about other countries and other people and, and, yeah. and, and the impact of our decisions and so on. But, you know, it's about family. It's about staying rooted and connected in community. I, I, I love that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, and again, it's, it's that, they, I mean, if you had to ask, answer the question, so so Anne, what's the film about? Do you have have that quick elevator speech? Uh, Because it's kind of not about superfood.
1: Yeah, it's about our interconnectedness. Like each time we take a moment to question, what is it that I'm buying on the shelf? Where is it from? It's going to take us to, you know, more awareness and more connectedness to one, what the food is, where it's from, who's grown it. And in that way, you make a much more meaningful kind of impact in terms of, how you buy something, knowing where the money's going, and you feel more connected to your food and the growers of your food. Um, I think pe- fair trade organizations provide that kind of, you know, middle step where they bridge, they bridge the consumers in in you know developed worlds with with growers in developing worlds, and so that's that's definitely one way to help foster that sense of you know, a meaningful purchase of food and knowing that it's it's going to a good cause and right. helping out the farmers who've grown it.
2: Well, it's conne- and it's connected to other industries too, right? I mean, just, mm-hmm. just last week, the government released uh, something I've been involved in fairly intimately as a, a report, a government human rights committee on supply chain transparency legislation, and Canada's been mm-hmm. kind of lagging behind on that. And, mm-hmm. you know, with respect to garments in particular, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how could we let Canadians know? Because I think we're... We kind of are working on the assumption that a lot of folks, maybe not everyone, but a lot of folks are happy to pay a little bit more if they knew some of these things were actually, you know, I um, don't want to use the word police, but 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 managed well.
1: For sure, yeah, you know,
2: makes sure. sense. And
1: it it works also even for like locally, like local made products. Sure it does. Uh, Shinola, which is started up in Detroit, their their products cost a little more because it's all produced in America with fair wages and that's the real cost of these right. items. And right. so people who buy that product know that where their money's going towards and they're kind of supporting their, their, their local manufacturer.
2: I love, I love the both and, again, angle to it because how, how do you keep rooted? How do you stay focused in the present with your family and yet also, you know, concerned about this, this world we live in? You know, the environment, mm-hmm. the climate, others, other people, other economies. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it sounds so crazy big, right? Mm-hmm. But this is, mm-hmm. this is a way we can take part in, in a mm-hmm. kind of a simple way. You know mm-hmm. if you know if, if we're of means so so tell me uh, we got to wrap it up uh, in, a, in the next minute or two but I, I know you're working on some pretty interesting projects I'm starting to see a bit of a theme I think yes. um, yeah. but tell me about sewage um, yeah and and, 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 and also <laughs> about cognitive enhancement drugs I don't even know what that is but I think I want some
1: okay so yeah um, <laughs> and you know a direct results after you eat <laughs> sewage that's Another right. Another producer and director at Salem has been developing a documentary about how now human sewage can be processed and transformed into energy and water. So it takes an age-old problem, something that's often defiled our water and you know been a problem of dumping across borders and everything. Now it's it's becoming a resource, a, mm. a renewable resource. We keep renewing and, it's, and so that's an interesting project that Hannah Donegan is that, doing.
2: It, that, that that's not Sewage is not going away anytime soon, right? I think no, we're, pretty, no. we're pretty clear on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And interestingly enough, there's a plant in Vancouver that's being built that is incorporating some of this great new technology. Mm. We find it in China and Germany and in Africa, and now it's great to find it in countries where, you know, cities are already developed and they already have sewage treatment plants so it's hard to replace them with a new technology treatment plant but it's happening in Vancouver and then another film that's going to be coming out soon which I'd love to talk to you about at some point is about cognitive enhancement and that's about um, it's really a kind of a white collar um, trend that's been happening. University students and professionals or shift workers will have been using different kinds of Cognitive enhancement drugs, anything like Adderall, modafinil, or uh, sometimes they will repurpose ADHD drugs just to help them stay awake or keep focused. And it's
2: um, interesting. Is this, is this Bradley Cooper in Limitless? Is that? Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: It's definitely it's about the culture of biohacking. Right. And we take a you know a fellow out of Vancouver, a futurist named Nick Badminton, goes on a journey as he. Explores different types of biohacking sounds and fantastic. tries different cognitive enhancement drugs. Can't to see it.
2: Yeah, yeah sounds really good. There's all kinds of insights there.
1: Yeah.
2: Wow, that's great. Well, listen, thank you. Thanks so much for your time today. We've been chatting with Anchin, talking about her new film, The Superfood Chain. Yeah, going to be on t- probably the best place to see it is going to be at the Planet in Focus Film Festival. Film festival coming yes. up this, very soon. Look it up. Yeah, but also this Sunday. Also Sunday,
1: October twenty eighth at one PM.
2: October twenty eighth, one PM. And also mm-hmm. existing uh, on on TVO, hopefully in perpetuity. Everyone needs to see this and thank Yeah. Thanks so thank much. You. Thanks so much for having me on the
1: show. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.